Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to the Super Revenue Brothers with Raul and Tony. In today's episode, we're talking about revenue operations. Is it a con or is it a cure? Find out and enjoy. So, Raul, you're not sitting in Berlin, I heard. Where are you calling in from today? Yeah, I'm in uh, the living room of my mother's house, which is, I mean, actually our house in Romania. It's very nice here, by the way. Uh, got myself kind of a new setup for podcasting. Hope uh, that this brings quite nice sound quality. And uh, yeah, looking to to Christmas around here. Uh, I got some really nice food here, some really nice Christmas markets and everything. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. no snow. I don't know. How is it in Denmark? Nothing. It's rain. Misty rain that's just slapping you in the face when you walk. Fantastic. So, Raul, are there any any other important updates you might want to let the audience know? Yeah, as you know, uh, and I, I'm not like the, even though I post sometimes on LinkedIn by now, mostly because of this podcast, um, maybe I should post some other stuff too. Uh, I am actually leaving Project A and actually have already had my last day at Project A last week, which is, uh, it's wild to me, very, very wild. Been there for about six years. And uh, that that yeah. place is like uh, was like my second home for sure, but um, yeah, gotta gotta take it to some new directions for the next year. And uh, there's already a couple things lined up, most likely already a new position. But uh, I'll, I'll let's talk about that at a different point when everything is is already 100 fixed. If someone wants to hire a will, uh, you can reach out to me. I'll get a commission. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure, I'll, I'll, that, you can you can take that money uh, or whatever it is you want. You prefer being paid in, but yeah, I'll be I'll be yeah. I'll also be traveling for the next couple of months, uh, so I need to take a break off. I don't know if you've ever done that, but like, been working for ten years straight now, never really took a bigger break, and uh, at some point it's like, okay, yeah, fuck it, let's let's just. I don't need to go immediately, and also you need this sometimes. Yeah, I did that after my second exit, and before I started Roblox, went on. Uh, paternity maternity trip uh, with my you know my wife and my firstborn basically and uh, was a road trip throughout Europe uh, because you know why not do that in the middle of Corona and yeah it was like two and a half months three months we basically kind of took off and didn't do anything but just driving around and you know being a family was actually pretty fantastic very nice with when the kids were little too right yeah like yep. nine months or something like this anyway so Raul what are we going to talk about today? So today is going to be a dicey one, because uh, obviously I know that you and me are quite <laughs> into this topic. Uh, we 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 kind we we quite got into this uh, corner cure thing, I think you and me. And uh, today I think we're going to yeah. talk really about where the uh, how do you take how do you call it like about all the marbles uh, or the the big one, which is revops. So the question today is revenue operations: is it a con or is it a cure? Tony. Yeah. So let's unpack this. Obviously, I'm not going to walk out of here and say it's a con, but I think there are conny aspects in here. I think there's lots of hype going around this whole thing. Um, has been going now for you know almost exactly 12 months. I think a year ago, LinkedIn announced or kind of published this massive growth in jobs uh, for revenue operations. And so this was for the US market. Let's keep this in mind. That was not the same for the other markets. I think there's a lot of hype going on. I think a lot of people were hired and I think a lot of people disappointed. I think both of these things actually happen. And my view on this is obviously the reason, the original reason why you need RevOps, that didn't disappear. 
But I think some of the hopes and dreams of what RevOps could do, I think that didn't unfold uh, all the times or many times. And then at the same time, right, and this is not speaking poorly about the RevOps professionals who maybe did disappoint, it's also a very young trade. So it's not like you have lots of veterans in the space that have like 10 years of experience in revenue operations. It just doesn't exist, right? And I think it's really difficult then if you put those two things together, like a high demand, high expectations, and a fairly, on average, fairly inexperienced talent pool, I think that's basically what we've you now maybe have seen here, right? Which kind of is maybe contributing to the, hey, maybe RevOps is a con kind of side of things. But I don't know, this is my first way of kind of trying to unpack this. What's your perspective on this role? So you're sort of holding back the answer there. We need the C word, Tony. Is it con or is it cure or whatever is it for now? I think the idea of it is a cure. And I think, I think a lot of people are waking up to the reality that Yes, we have a sales team and they need to do stuff. And we have a marketing team, they need to do stuff. And we have a CS team and they need to do stuff. And we need to optimize all of those departments. And that's why I have sales ops, marketing ops, CS ops, and so forth. But I think the overarching pain is, wait a minute, all of these different silos, they kind of need to, they kind of need to work seamlessly together, right? So there's, once you start optimizing the silo, you realize once you put the silos next to one another, it's like, wow, there are massive gaps between them that basically have a massive opportunity for, you know, optimization. And, you know, that that comes out and like, oh, this report doesn't work out. And, oh, you know, we're discussing different numbers between sales and marketing. And, you know, this is how it sometimes kind of comes out to the surface. Uh, but ultimately, that's what it is, kind of the gap between the silos. And I think a lot of people have been educated to see it. I think a lot of people are seeing it that there's a problem. And I think a lot of people over the last one or two years started to try and fix it by either hiring a CRO who then hired at RevOps or by hiring RevOps to begin with, right? And I'm not necessarily talking about Germany, by the way. Maybe there's a different perspective in a second. And I think what then happened is you have a lot of you have a lot of Salesforce ops, Salesforce admins or sales ops folks that kind of get the revenue ops title and actually don't really make sure that they're collapsing those silos and kind of combining them in the right way. And, you know, that part is a con, if you will. But the real idea and the real problem, I think that's totally there and it needs a cure. And that cure can be done by a great RevOps person. I believe mm -hmm. so. So it's a little bit hard to kind of land on either side of this. But the ultimate piece, like there's no doubt in my mind that that's a problem that needs a proper cure. And I think RevOps can be that cure. But, you know, did every single RevOps professional live up to the hype of revenue operations? I don't think so. I think the numbers you were referring to, by the way, in the posts are in, is this one picture that sort of went around, everyone saw the same picture. Uh, in 2022, rev, head of revenue ops was the fastest growing job in the US or something like that. That's right. Which yeah. that made quite big waves. And I will, I'll be quite, I'll be a bit inflammatory here, I would say, for, just for shits and giggles for, for the end of the year. As everyone might know, revenue operations, absolutely big law for me. But right now, the state of December 2023, I would say revenue operations is actually a con at, the, at this moment. And that's, again, I would say in the sort of, as a, as a brainchild, as a concept, sure, makes a, a ton of sense. And it's actually one of the biggest things you can do to improve your business. When I look at what's actually happening out now, out there now, I think it's actually a con because how do you judge these things, right? It's about what do they actually bring to businesses. And the 
there's a multitude of problems. And, and I think you already talked about some of them. So maybe let me just expand from my view. Absolutely, there's not a lot of seasoned professionals in that environment. Even the people who do frame themselves as seasoned professionals, they don't really know what they're talking about most of the time. And they might be having 5,000 followers or 50,000 or doesn't even matter how many on LinkedIn. And they might post every single day. But they've just done it in one company, maybe, or maybe they've, or maybe two, if, if they were really, really experienced. And that is typically not a sign of someone who's really understood a lot of different things or in just one sector or just over a short period of time. And why is that a problem? Sure, these people are doing great work and someone has to promote the ideas. So I don't have a problem with people posting about RevOps. The problem that I'm trying to get to is it's very unlikely that you were within the last two years, one of these CEOs, CROs, and you hired one of these RevOps people and they came in and just fixed everything because almost none of the people in the market are already equipped to just come in and, and be this one man, one woman army, bringing in people, building up a team and then immediately fixing your problems because they're just not as experienced, right? So one of the mistakes that I see happening a lot of the time is that people were sort of becoming aware of this issue and they were even sometimes, we had this in one of our portfolio companies, going to their head of HR and saying, we need this person tomorrow and just like copy paste some job description from uh, online. I don't even know what they're going to do. Just get them. Like everyone says we need to get them. And uh, then they get that person and then revenue doesn't grow within a year. And they're like, what, what? this was completely useless exercise. The issue that a lot of CEOs, CROs maybe, or depending on how early stage you are, uh, face with that is that they have to strongly shape that role as well. And it's even if you have very talented people, you have to be quite involved in the process of sort of revenue operations early on. But go ahead, Tony. So, I mean, to a degree, right? You're not really saying revenue operations is a con. We just have failed to implement it. I mean, it's like you're, you're kind of doing this typical, oh, Raul, tell me about your weaknesses, you know, in a job interview. And then they say like, oh, I'm very detail oriented, you know, <laughs> basically, yeah. you know, try and kind of, you know, frame it to something negative, but actually you're kind of then positioning as something positive, right? Because you also say like, well, you totally believe in the mission and this is the best thing you can probably do for your business. But then how it's being executed, both from, you know, let's just say the broader enablement around that person in terms of who is hiring them, who are they reporting to, you know, are they getting the right tools and stuff? And then also kind of the talent that is even experienced, right? Kind of these two things basically then lead to the person not being able to live up to the hype. Isn't that kind of what you're saying? So far, yes, I would guess that is what I'm saying. But I would, I, I even think that in the conception of, of revenue ops, there's a couple of things that are not as, as a... And I don't know all the answers yet, but I, I'm pretty sure that we're not at the final state or not even at a good state yet. Mm -hmm. And the, that goes into a couple of points that you also talked about, which is, and I know you have this wonderful chart that impressed so many people in my team, is about sort of the evolution of sales ops to revenue operations and what that actually means. And I, I hope you will enlighten us a little bit about that, because I think that is quite central to this debate. But just in, in as a central point, so what do people have in mind when they talk about revenue operations? And I bet with you, two-thirds of the time, it's just like being a Salesforce admin. And that is not what revenue operations yeah. is, right? So even as a conception, even if you have these slides and you show, oh, you, they can do this and they can do that and they can do whatever and the other things, almost always people go by by what they've seen and what, the, what they can grasp. And that is almost always, oh, yeah, we need someone to take care of Salesforce. And if you're lucky, then you you have someone who grows out of that and takes on a bit more responsibility and understands, hey, I can actually have a lot more leverage. 
But that is conceptually where I think a lot of the con comes from. If you go from this direction of, hey, we just need, and really, this is the best advice I can give you if you're looking for a RevOps person. The only question that I would ask myself as a starting point is, we have this team of X many people doing sales, doing customer success, doing whatever, marketing. Is there a person or people together that could do random stuff that would make these people better? That would make these people 10% more efficient, 5% more efficient, 20, 30, whatever. And that is what RevOps is. It's just a constant that you add to your output that all the other sort of operational teams produce. So if sales team is going to make X amount of money with revenue operations, they're going to make X times one plus R R, uh, amount of money, which R is sort of hopefully a a positive uh, benefit. And that's all you should be asking. And then after that, there's a list of a thousand things they could be doing. The problem here is you know, the starting point almost, right? Because I actually think if you want to be the RevOps person that everyone wants you to be, you don't need to know anything about Salesforce. <laughs> you know, you don't need to, at least not much, you know, trust me, not yeah. much at least. The that... qualifications are kind of misaligned. Talk to us about your vision of RevOps because I find that a very interesting one anyways. So I sometimes call it strategic RevOps because yes, you do need the operational stuff as well, right? You need the data, you need the tools, you need the processes, you know, all that stuff. But really the strategic RevOps mind, from my perspective, is really someone that sees all of these things as his tools or her tools to get something done. And what is it that they need to get done? In my case, or for me, from my perspective, that's increasing your revenue output, decreasing your cost, or doing both. And the reason why, you know, if someone from RevOps is listening, the reason why they should care is if you do it, you won't get fired. Because basically, you're you're aligning yourself to the goals that your boss has. And that is super powerful, right? It's number one. Number two, I think what you need to have in order to become strategic, yes, you need to be thinking about the future. That's it, you know, when you when you you know look up, you know, what the strategy mean is like plans for the future. That's basically what it is. But if you want to be strategic in a revenue operations kind of context, I believe you need to understand the revenue engine that you're operating in. Mm. And it's great if you have done an enterprise business before, great. But if you now go into an SMB kind of business, you do need to relearn almost everything, right? I think there are some great resources. I think Jaco from Winning by Design is giving like models and frameworks on how to think about the world and think about these engines. I think they're helpful. They're obviously flawed because every framework is flawed and it's kind of, you know, washing over details that are pretty important. Um, But that is one way to break down how an engine works, right? And that kind of needs to become part of your, how your brain is wired, right? If you achieve that, what's going to happen is that uh, the VP marketing, the VP sales, someone is going to approach you and say, hey, mate, we want to change this thing over there. And I'm not saying, oh, we want to have another field in Salesforce, but we want to change compliance maybe, we want to you know, split the team, we want to have more dials, we want to have more whatever. Some ways to achieve that is a tool, is data, is process, by the way, don't get me wrong, right? But basically they come to you with a kind of a tweak in the engine, right? They kind of have like this little tool, they go to the, you know, they pop open the engine from the car and then they want to, you know, tighten a screw or loosen a screw. And then you, if you're a good RevOps professional, you're going to be sitting there and be like, well, you could do that, of course, but um, one, two, and three things going to happen. Do you want those to happen? Is that an intended thing or would that be a waste product of you doing this change? Because what really is true in my experience is all of those silo heads, 
which are fantastic at their trade, they have no freaking clue about, you know, what happens in all these other silos. And they need mm. someone to like, okay, you know, if I change this thing over here, you will create this knock-on effect in all of those other cases. And to be honest, my friend, that knock-on effect in totality will be negative for the business. So no, I don't think we should be doing this. But it's good for my silo and I want to do it. But no, overall, it's actually a net negative for the business and therefore we shouldn't do it. If you can have that kind of conversation, number one, your VP level right there. It's like, you know, it's really just the title that's missing and the, the pay grade that's missing. But in order to get there, you need to have like, the thing needs to just, you know, you need to see through the matrix, right? And yes. I think, by the way, and that's also why I have such a high conviction in this tool like Roblox can help you to kind of see the matrix and manage it and so forth. But ultimately, the understanding of sometimes I even call it the supply chain that's happening in your business. If you don't have that, I don't think you can be a strategic RevOps person. I think you will always kind of drift towards the... Uh, and people hate this when I say that, you will drift towards the system admin side of things mm -hmm. and people don't want to be there, not long-term. It's like, cool, it's a great job to get started out of college, but after a year or two of Apex code, you're like, okay, I want to do something different now, right? And, and the, the unlock is, in my world, understand the engine and then you know use that understanding to give the silo leaders input that they otherwise wouldn't see. I love the sort of the, uh, how do you get a seat at the table? uh uh input there yeah um and i i would agree with that part by the way so again here obviously it's not a con if, if you if you manage to do that right it's it is and maybe it's sort of a cop-out on my end it is about the execution so it, the, the devil's in the detail and it's really easy to sort of let yourself go and be this uh, go-to person for like uh, almost every single thing that has, needs to be done in the system or then if you're really lucky then they're sort of putting all their hopes and fears about AI into you. So that's something that happened maybe this year. It's like, oh, we have this yeah. RevOps person. Naturally, they should be the one worrying about AI and like try something with AI. Here's some budget, do something, right? Um, and, and, and again, like none of this is what I envision RevOps to be, right? It could be that it's a person within RevOps if you're, let's say you are a VP and you have a team of a couple of people, but you put it a lot more elegantly than I did. Someone just needs to sit down and think about revenue. And it ain't the, ch it's the chief revenue officer. I'm sorry to break to, to the CROs thinking about yeah. this, but if you're really honest with yourself, the way that you're thinking about revenue is not the way that someone is thinking about it who's actually on the ground level because you're not thinking about processes and you're not going to sit down with a CMO if you still have one or the CPO and, and draw maps on a whiteboard and think about where processes break down. You're not going to sit down and think about all the ways systems connect to each other and what data needs to flow where. You're not going to sit down and create onboarding materials and documentation for people to understand what to do in their daily. You're not doing any of that. And so, yes, you're obviously the one with the big one walking around being like, yeah, I'm the, I, own C, I own revenue. And I hope you do. But at the end of the day, you don't own the machine around it. And what you do as a CRO is you lead the team and you create the strategy and you make sure that the ship is steered the right way, which is a very important thing. But it's not in your, maybe it's in your capabilities, sure, but you cannot do this in the daily to, to sit down and do, that, do the work on that level. The defining part of a revenue ops person, and here we introduce sort of a new term for a lot of people as well, is the revenue engine. And I would agree wholeheartedly on that. If you're going with that, which is we're building a revenue engine and I'll say sort of my two cents on what that is in a second. If you're going with that, then that absolutely is a cure. Because every, 
I would say at least every scaling or aspiring to scale business needs as soon as possible a revenue engine. If you're super early stage, you probably just need it on a napkin, right? Just sort of a general understanding of yeah. how you how money is being generated. And if you're super later stage, then probably you need something that is a bit more elaborate and, and includes a couple of different departments. And with maybe two more or three more sentences, what is a revenue engine? I'm really curious about your answer because I think yours will be a bit different than mine. It's sort of an a meta- metaphysical, if you want, uh, concept because it's not just one thing. It is an understanding and sort of administration of everything that goes into creating revenue, at least within the commercial department of a company. And maybe let's take the production out of it, because, although you could argue that product is also part of it, but I, I would leave that out for now. Mm. Every th- single thing that needs to be done to at the end of the day just like a conveyor belt view uh, could convey produce money and someone needs to sit down and hopefully a lot of people and make sure that along the way for in the beginning level one the major levers are understood and measured and also sort of administered and governed and that these sort of work well best case also an automated way where you can and then it's uh, enabled where people uh, need to step in what's your view yeah. on what a revenue engine is i so i mean yeah, I, I agree with this. I think a revenue engine is not, so this just for everyone to kind of get this, a revenue engine is not just um, buying Salesforce and buying Pardot and buying, you know, Gainsight. Those are tools, it's great. They manage workflows, they produce data. But part for me of a, of a revenue engine are also the people, the people kind of that do stuff. And ultimately kind of how that thing actually flows through, right? Because when you think about it, you put fuel in an engine and not, it doesn't immediately like bang and now you're 100 kilometers an hour. It's, you know, it needs to kind of, I don't need to steer and you start the engine and kind of all of these, all of these things you need to do, the whole process from A to B, kind of that is what's basically kind of, you know, in, in part of the revenue engine. Sometimes I started to refer to it as a digital go-to-market twin. Uh, basically hmm. think about it, at, you know, this Maybe this is how I sometimes pitch Roblox. Maybe. But basically, <laughs> you know, think about you know, all the stuff that's going on, all the stuff that's going on for you to produce money, all of these things kind of contribute, yes? And that might be a campaign creating leads. It might be an SDR being hired doing outbound. It might be an AE converting an, an opportunity to a closed one deal. It might be a CSM onboarding someone. And, you know, all of these things, all of these, all of these uh, you know, cogs and wheels and screws and all of that stuff that's contributing, that's kind of for me a revenue engine. And, you know, in the beginning of your journey, I think the revenue engine kind of fits into your head because it's kind of fairly straightforward. It's fairly simplistic. And at some point it's going to get, you know, less than that. And the person that then, you know, carries that job to, you know, have it in the head currently is called, should be called, you know, revenue operations. And I think that is the fantastic kind of job description for them. I also believe when you build a company, what you usually do is you hire an AE that maybe had some managerial experience already, maybe could be a first director, but it's also now hands-on, right? Kind of he or she does the stuff. And and then, you know, eventually when you hire some people, they report then to her or to him, right? I think people need to think the same way about RevOps. They, you know, instead mm. of hiring this, oh, you know, I've I've seen Salesforce once before, they should be hiring a revenue operations professional that has done this for two or three years could or should you know be an actual head of revenue operations joining your organization 
but you kind of hire that person with the, well, but you also need to roll up your sleeves and you actually need to do all of the Salesforce stuff you don't want to do anymore. But that's part of it. And what you as an organization get here in return is it's not only the speed and like, oh, and you know, he doesn't need to learn this Salesforce stuff anymore. No, it's like they understand, hey, this is, I'm here to help you make money. That's what they understand. They understand, you know, how all of these pieces uh, fit together, sometimes better, sometimes less so well. And they can actually help you accelerate stuff. Versus if you hire someone, salesman, a Salesforce admin, then I don't think they will actually accelerate things. It's a little bit like you are a, a product CEO that has never built product before and the first hire you do is a developer. It's like, no, don't do that. You know, your, your first hire maybe should be, I don't know, shouldn't be, but let's just say it's a rather product manager than a developer because, you know, someone needs to think about all the crazy stuff that you have in your head and then actually build a product out of this. And it's the same with Salesforce and the engine. The engine is a product that needs work and you need to have an architect before you have someone, you know, raising raising the walls around it, right? And you rather want to have the architect that can also build walls in the beginning instead of only having someone putting in windows in random places because you said so. Counter to that, playing devil's advocate here. And also I would say something that I hear from, in this scenario, it has to be founders. Uh, and 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 that's all nice and, and it makes a lot of sense, Tony. But we're super early stage. We are hiring for a CRO now. My mm -hmm. assumption is that the CRO needs to do all that combined. And we don't have, I mean, we need that when we have like 50 people, right? We don't need that in the beginning. We just need to be scrappy and do stuff and it will work out. And we have different problems now, like right? go to market, product market fit is sort of on our radar. Mm -hmm. And we just need the CRO to focus on these things. We can sort out processes later. What do you have to say to that? Yeah. And I don't think that's completely I don't think this is completely false, actually. I think it's true. And I'm not saying you should hire RevOps 10 people in. I think you should hire RevOps between 50 and 100 people, you know, depending on outliers in there. And I think I wouldn't, I also wouldn't hire a CRO at 50 people. <laughs> I also wouldn't do that. I would obviously have like a director of sales and stuff, but it's very dangerous to outsource, go to market fit to someone, by the way. I think it's extremely dangerous. You should have people that know their stuff. Don't get me wrong, but completely outsourcing, I think is a little bit too much. And then number two, if you do get to the point where you want to have an actual CRO, so we're talking go to market wide responsibility, not just elevated sales, which, you know, some people say between five and 15 million is the time. The one way you can cut his or her tenure in half is by not giving them RevOps headcount mm -hmm. or two. So what I've seen is the first thing good CROs are doing when they're coming into a fresh organization, they're hiring a great RevOps person on the back of that. And okay, so tainted because I've done that. I've now seen this in a couple of other places. And what I've also started seeing, you know, when you, when you hire a VP of sales, you sometimes have this, well, you know, those kind of folks that travel in caravans, meaning, oh, they, they have like one or two AEs they can bring over the line and maybe even more. I think great CROs became great because they had a great RevOps person that travels with them from gig to gig. And, yeah. and you should almost like in your interviews, like, do you have a great RevOps person that you can bring? Because that will be necessary for that CRO to be successful. You know what you said? That made me think. And immediately when you said this, a couple examples came to mind where actually the RevOps person is almost always the first person to go with the parting CRO or arrive with the arriving CRO. Very, very interesting. So yeah. maybe that's 
Well, you're, that, that's sort of on the flip side means you're screwed because all the good ones are taken already. It's like you're 35 and, and trying to get married, <laughs> I, I guess. By the way, yeah. I'm 35. I'm not trying to get married right now. But um, it, it means all the good ones are taken. Also, those and, applications, they can be funneled through me. And you're also going to take a commission. I don't know how much worth it on that one. Let, let, I, I think yes. the first one is a better bet, the uh, hiring me part. But yeah, I, I think maybe steering it back to revenue operations. And this, while obviously, and, and this is really not just trying to sort of like uh, uh, twist it into something uh, or humble bragging about this or anything like that. Yeah, of course, we're, we're all like fanboys of revenue operations. I'm just disappointed with the state of where it is right now, right? And yeah, uh, listening to you is like, it makes my fanboy yeah. heart obviously beat again. But looking at where the world is at right now, um, the question is, how do we how do we close that gap, right? How do we get it from where someone like me who loves this topic is like disappointed in it, and not that that's the mission, but how, how do we how do we close this gap? And to me, it really is in and very very clear, right? Start understanding and and working on revenue engines earlier uh, or immediately, right? And, and especially looking at twenty twenty four, a great starting point to do that uh, is starting with the budget and the planning for next year, because that is one central point in, in sort of this revenue engine. Get closer to the strategy of that or get revenue operations and, and strategy closer together. Even if right now all you're doing is sort of doing Salesforce, question is, of course, how exactly do you do that? But that's highly contextual. And also educate yourself on that, because, I mean, it's it sounds like a lot of revenue operations, people are sort of victims of people who don't understand how to leverage them. Man, in, in, in my view, a lot of Revs people are to blame themselves because uh, a lot of the times, and I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that, those are people who've never done a sale in their life, right? So, Or, or they don't actually understand sales. Yeah. They don't know 10 different frameworks or 20 different ways to sort of qualify a lead. If they're lucky, they've heard about Bunt and maybe Medic and, and that's it. Like if you don't understand yourself, if you don't understand yourself as someone who should be the best well-read person uh, or most well-read person about sales, who should be the person attending events, who should be the person obviously listening to this podcast, then man, I can't help you. I mean, it's nice that we're sort of advocating for that. And maybe I'm even the one, the person talking to your boss about this. But if you're not getting your shit together and, and, and like getting the education you need and like going out there you're always going to remain in it. sort of, this is the AI and Salesforce guy. So I, I'm, I want to name drop, but I'm just not sure who said it, but someone was like calling literal BS on this, on this victimhood that RevOps is always kind of acting like. It's like, oh, you know, I don't get time to be strategic and so forth. And then someone else said, well, not everyone should be strategic and no one is going to walk up to your table, tap you on the shoulder and be like, Raul, from today, you're strategic. It doesn't work like <laughs> that. You need to go and you know get it and take it and build it and um, and take ownership for that stuff, right? And uh, and I think once you do, and maybe the strategic thing is maybe even confusing, but I think ultimately, um, think about uh, you know think you know you can even draw it out on a piece of paper. Think about how your organization is making money, like literally all the way, you know, ad spend or brand or whatever. Money, you know, stuff is coming from there, being filtered through marketing, being filtered through sales, being filtered through CS, and then, you know, uh, upselling and so forth. Think about that. And once you understand these things, you know, talk to the marketing folks, talk to the sales folks. Once you understand how that actually works, why people buy these things and why they're going through this process, I think then you're on the way to like, ah, okay, now I get it. That's what I need to know more of, right? And I yeah. think to your point, and I think that's difficult knowing 
trying to know more about sales and the salespeople, I think, dude, this is difficult. And I think it's sometimes helpful to, uh, I mean, not be completely uneducated, don't get me wrong, um, but also kind of have the the grace and be like, hey, actually, that's your expertise area and kind of ask them, you know, how does that actually work? And, you know, what what do you think is wrong? Right? Kind of this one of those big learnings from this Toyota lean management thing is like, it's not the managers who know these things. It's the people on the floor who can improve. Th th those yep. you need to talk to, right? They have the information. Anyway, t side tangent here, and we're also coming up on time soon, but like, don't be an effing uh, victim. But also, if you as a, honestly, if you as a CRO or CEO or, you know, sales leader or whatever, if you're smelling that person just doesn't get it, like doesn't get how this engine works, is not excited or thinking in the direction and is like trying to blame everyone else for them only being, you know, able to spend time in Salesforce, I think you should probably let that person also go or hire someone sure. on top or whatever you want to do, but but stop having the expectation that suddenly, you know, that that is going to be a, you know, Jaco van der Koy grade or a Raul grade revenue architect <laughs> that can walk into your business and just fix everything. You know, forget about it. It's not going to, you know, with the right kind of talent, yes, but that person probably not. And I think in those cases, and I think that's almost kind of the closing statement if I'm trying to wrap things up, it's like, in those cases, yeah, RevOps was a con for you. It was a con for you. It didn't work out. But the idea behind it, and trust me, there are folks out there that are able to, you know, solve it and figure this out and fix this problem for you. Yeah, for sure. In those cases, it's a total cure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I know you had your closing sentence, but you just said something amazing that I, I do want to add one more sentence to. So from the view of a, of a, of a sort of, let's say, whatever, commercial leader, whoever it is, even if it's still the founder. If your RevOps person is not pestering you about these kinds of topics, that might be a sign that they're the kind of person that is sort of okay with just leaning back and taking Salesforce over. And if your RevOps person is sitting in a meeting yeah. where a KPI obviously is BS and they're not screaming and, 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 and like sort of trying to fix it every single week and they're not being a pain in your ass about sort of getting the dashboard right and, and getting this, the process right and educating people to do it the right way, then that's maybe the sign that person does not do their job the way that they should. On the, on the flip side, I find yeah. good RevOps people uh, to be quite annoying, really. Because they're always putting their fingers in the, in the wound and, and always talking about where to, what, what hurts and what doesn't work. Yes. And maybe that's unless they're only complaining and only also doing something about it, that's a sign of a good Raul's person. Raul, I think that's it. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we had a little bit of a break. So, surprise, we're back. Um, and, yeah. yeah, I don't know. See you next time. See you. Thank you.